Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the panel discussion. I am one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, alongside Greg Knowlton and Chris. Oh, he's not here again. He didn't make it. It what's, like our he died. <laughs> he what, didn't what's, make what's our excuse? What's our excuse this time? He he's trying to find the real life pops from Archie. That's I think where he's at. Is that what it is? I think he's trying to find like a burger. I was gonna use the inf- Thanos made him d- disappear. He snapped him away. He snapped away. He turned to dust. Right as he was about to bite into that burger. <laughs> <laughs> Double tragic. That sounds about right. <laughs> Too good. Um, luckily, in his place though, I have one of my favorite people. Actually. My favorite person from Rochester, New York. A good friend who's been uh, nothing but supportive to me. He's, I can see him through video. He's patting his chest right now. <laughs> um, he is an absolute saint. And um, my good friend, Rob Sweet. Rob, welcome to the show. Oh, my God. Thank you for having me on the show. I am a big fan. And as a friend of yours, uh, this is exciting. We always talk about comic books all the time. And to be able to do it and have somebody actually listen to us is phenomenal to me. That's good. Yeah, that's that's pretty much been the basis of our friendship, really. Um, I mean, it started, obviously, you know, we met through pro wrestling. Uh, you were one of the first nice people to me and, and, and up there. And, uh, and uh, few, it, I'm sure. <laughs> there was a, there was like a handful, but you were you were the best one. Um but yeah, we we de- developed really a, a a true friendship through through talking comic books and you know movies and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm glad uh, you get to be a part of this. Of course, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's cool because an- like when you come from a, something like pro wrestling and you have that shared experience, it's 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 those other things outside of it that bring people together. And it's like you know you may not have something in common with your fellow wrestler, but if you find something, then you attach to it. And something like that, oh my god, comic books. This is great. Let's do yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect. No, it brings people together. So um, I gotta ask. I like to do this on my football uh, podcast, but I just wanted the the listeners and even maybe even myself and Greg to get to know you a little bit better. Um, so, who is your favorite? Who are your favorite Marvel and DC superheroes? Okay, so uh, my number one, and people are probably gonna groan and roll their eyes. My number one favorite superhero of all time is Superman. Now, Ooh, I like it. A lot of people's arguments against Superman are, well, if if he's basically a god, how, you know, how do you defeat him? And, you know, that's not interesting because of his powers. Superman, his powers aren't what make him interesting. It's his it's who he is. The human yes. that's behind the quote-unquote alien is what makes Superman intriguing to me. It's his he has all these powers in the world, but he wants to relate to humankind and he sees himself as human and there is nothing more human than that so he has the reverse problem most superheroes where he has to actually scale down to be who he wants to be instead of scaling up to be this bigger than life thing yeah i love that take i love that take that i've never had like a person's of you know Fan fandomness really for Superman never really explained that way. That's I think that's 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 solid. He's the true white meat baby face. Oh, absolutely. And you know the first comic book uh, I ever was purchased for me when I was a kid was uh, the graphic novel to the death of Superman. Ooh, that's a really good one. He was vulnerable off the start. He right. killed Doomsday. Did that, and yeah. that was such a dark, serious, violent story to jump in, and it kind of like shaped my whole interest in comics because after that 
I was Batman and X Men and but my mar- favorite Marvel guy. To go back to my favorites is Spider Man. Spider Man. I've always loved that dichotomy of a of a kid who has powers. Like, yeah, what does the kid do? And it was always Spider Man's personality always stood out. Yeah, he was a little cocky and he cracks the jokes, but like, still he was an honest, true, good kid. And uh, any, I loved his variation of costumes and 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 his rogue gallery of villains. So. On the Marvel side, I, ha- I have to say, and it really wasn't until recently, probably even in the last year, where I I came to the realization that Spider-Man was, like, always one of my favorites. Yeah, I think with the movies helped that case, really. I mean, once they come, you know, come back, you're like, man, he's he's everything I hope for, you know? Yeah, he's, right. he's the man. And now you see I, that with the video games as well. Um, yep. As far as villains, so Doomsday. Like I said, that was... Death is my entry into the world, so Doomsday will always be, to me, the most devastating, brutal force. Like, he bloodied Superman. He beat him to death. It wasn't kryptonite. It wasn't some kind of plan to do whatever. It it was brutality. I always loved that. And then, I guess on the Marvel side of things, I always clung to Apocalypse through the years. Ooh, that's a solid one. But it wasn't until, like I said, recent years, and maybe it's the films doing this for me, but, like, to realize the greatness of Thanos. Like, Thanos really is has become, in the last two years, two, three years, my favorite villain on the Marvel side of things. I mean, okay. whether you're taking his reasoning for collecting the Infinity Stones as him, you know, uh, population control or if or if it's the actual comics you know infatuation with death like there's just there's something there that's there's there's more than dark side there's more than there's more than a lot of other villains that get compared to him you know more than i think more than apocalypse there's more there more character depth so layers yes yes Yes. i I completely agree the movies Mm -hmm. definitely did i think did that a little bit better uh than the comics originally did yep i agree you know the, the comics you know, he, he was just pretty much a madman. It was it was just straight up. You know, the 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 man of Titan, and uh, and the the movie really humanized him almost in the same way that uh, Daredevil, the Netflix show, humanized yep. Wilson Fisk, uh, which is important. Which is important to me, and actually makes characters relatable and likable. And I, th- that's personally to me why Thanos sticks out so much and that is an excellent choice I think the best villains are the villains that you want to root for yeah mm-hmm. and you know it's wrong to like when you have a villain that's like I totally get why you're doing this but what you're doing is totally wrong and you could be going about this in a different way it makes it super hard because like you want them to you want them to succeed but you want them to lose at the same time <laughs> so they like learn you're right it's right. you always I think like if you go by like the best villains of like every show, it's always the ones you can almost see yourself like turning to that way a little bit. Even like the the Joker in like Dark Knight, it was like, I kinda get why he's doing this, but man, it's not okay. <laughs> and all, yeah, I know point. you do we've all seen that coming from our origins in the pro wrestling world. I mean oh, yeah. character work and, 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 and storylines like like we we tend to as a society go towards our villains, towards our heels. And cause we want them to eventually have that turn as a baby face. I always yeah. loved Magneto whenever he would help the X-Men out. Yes. Yeah. Along with them in a mission to battle a greater enemy 
Like yes. that always excited me. Whenever the villain can can join forces with, uh, that's why the onslaught story is probably under. I think it's an underrated storyline. It's my favorite story in Marvel history because onslaught made his mission to go against every super powered being ever. So you saw this unprecedented uh, collaboration between the heroes and the villains. Right. Yeah. Right. Love that. But- I'm the same way. Yeah. I love like Lex Luthor and Superman teaming up at any point. I think it's the coolest thing because it's like, wow, they make a really good team, but too bad. It's not going to last. Like, you know, it's going to turn at the end, but it's still so good. It has to. Yeah. Without a doubt. All right. There you have it. Uh, There's our brief intro to Mr. Sweet. Um, You guys ready to get going? Heck yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's review some comics. For those fans who uh, this is your first time uh, listening or if you're like Greg and forget the order of things every <laughs> show, um, what we do is we take an old book and we take a new book released within the last month and we grade them on five categories out of ten. Art, action, story, dialogue, and rereadability. And uh, we pretty much go around, give them our scores, and like I said last time, it, the score is really – it's we don't have a, a – a, a really exact grading system. We just kind of throw out numbers, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there are most of the books end up being pretty average, which which is which is a common thing. And you tell if it's a higher score, you know, we really enjoy that book. I uh, have dropped like two fifties though. You have, you have. <laughs> uh, they were well deserved. <laughs> I know one book that'll never get a fifty. <laughs> X-23, number four, I still hate that book. It is our, it is our lowest rated book uh, in this podcast. And it's required reading to be a guest. You have to go read that comic and understand why <laughs> oh, we hate it. I'll give it, I'll give it to you on Saturday. I'll give it to I, you have to, I have to read this. Just, it's like watching a, probably like watching a horrible movie, horror movie or something. Like, yeah, it's, you just got to experience it, but it yeah. hurts. If, if you want to throw it out or burn it after you read it, I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> the worst part is we've talked about that comic more than anything else on this show. It has gotten, yeah, it has gotten the most press. I think we've mentioned it every single week since that episode, yeah. for like the last month. Yep, <laughs> book is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Greg, you how do you start really us feel? Off? Oh, that's so bad. Oh yeah, I'll I'll definitely start us off. Okay, I am. So I'm doing something kind of different this month. Uh, I decided outside of next month or next week. Next week, Green Lantern has a first issue coming out. I have to break this a little bit because it's Green Lantern, and I've, I've just got to check it out, and it's Grant Morrison. Um, but I'm doing a fantasy month, so almost every single week this month, I'm going to be covering some sort of fantasy comics, um, whether it be old like Dungeons & Dragons comics to just witches and maybe Monster Hunters. Um, that's kind of where I'm living. So this today with the first one, uh, I've talked about this on the show. I'm covering Birthright Number One. Um, it's an image comic from October eighth, two thousand fourteen. Okay. Um, it's a really cool comic. I'm, it's definitely a cinematic feel. So I'm a big fan of it. I'm actually pretty far in this series, but I'll review the first comic. Okay. So it starts with um, just a kid and his dad playing baseball outside. And his dad's kind of on the phone, um, and he throws the ball into the woods as his son runs away for it. Um, and they're setting up like a surprise birthday for him. Uh, and all of a sudden, as the dad's like talking to the mom about the birthday party, he runs into the woods and the son he was playing catch with is gone. Um, he finds the ball and can't find the son anywhere and he's just yelling and screaming for him. Uh, cops show up and it's months pass. 
and years pass, and the father is actually convicted of killing his son. Um, they're saying he killed his son, and his son went missing because of it. And they're doing everything, trying to, trying to um, show that he's guilty. Uh, he's he isn't found guilty, but they are still picking on him. Um, it's been a full year, and they're still pressed. Like, oh, he killed his son. Aaron um, Aaron Rhodes killed his son, and they're picking on his brother uh, Kevin. Right. No, sorry. Kevin's not the younger brother's name. The younger brother, Brennan. Okay. Um, who's still putting out missing signs Listen, for the uh, brother, and they're looking for him everywhere. Um, and like he's getting into fights, getting into trouble, and the, so this is all still going on. The like the parents are kind of like lost in this depression, and they're actually like filing for divorce, and the father's become an alcoholic. Jesus, um, this is depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. Just a tad. So now the FBI shows up. And the FBI are bringing them in, the family in for questioning. Um, and they say, well, we have someone. And they're interviewing this man who is a, like, 35-year-old barbarian. Picture, like, Jason Momoa is, like, almost exactly what this person's modeled after. Okay. Uh, almost in the Aquaman gear. Gauntlet on one shoulder. He's got the leather straps tattooed up. Uh, and the FBI agent's saying, like, wait, so you're saying you're some sort of dragon slayer? And this person saying, like, yeah, I've slain dragons, I've slain fire trolls, all of this. And the FBI agents are saying, oh, he's claiming to be your missing son, Mikey. He's been missing for a year, but now he's a full-grown adult, almost the same age as the dad. Um, So they're questioning this guy, and he actually, like, tells them a bunch of stuff and turns out to be the son. Like, really? It, it is the son that's been missing. Man. Um. And he's, where is it? He says he was never kidnapped. It was actually destiny. He was running into the woods uh, and he was found by, where's this monster? He was found by like a giant red monster. It's like a wolf looking lizard thing. Um, And as he's about to be attacked, these two kids with wings fly down and pick him up uh, as the monster's trying to get to him. And they're still being chased and the monster's fighting him. And this giant orc um, shows up and actually kills the monster and saves him. The orc tells him that he was a hero destined to like save the world from the God King lore. And he's actually in a whole different world. He's no longer on earth, but he's in Terranos. Okay. Uh, this is a longer comic. It's a, actually a 36 page for oh, the wow. first issue. Yeah. Um, and that according to prophecy, like that was his job and he was assigned to this girl named a Gideon. Um, that's what she's called as a Gideon. Cause she's like, almost like an angel Gideon. girl. So she's kind of cool. Um, I did and, read a book, Gideon Falls, too. At, you did read for, Gideon from Falls, Image. yeah. Weird. What a Gideon is a it's a very like biblical term. So okay. like that one was uh, I think there's was, like a magical thing. This is like wings and everything. She's okay. an angel. Um, so basically, this kid is the chosen one, is what it goes on to say. And he says he's saying that he actually defeated the evil army, and that um, he's now back on Earth. To make sure that the evil king will never come like over to Earth, and make sure like none of their people come back over. They uh, need to adapt the family this is... to screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. This sounds this like is... hell of a movie. I yeah, know. I it know. totally is like a cinematic feel to it, and like I could picture who they would cast and all sorts of stuff. Um, and they're they're basically like arguing, saying, "All right, we're taking our son home." Like. The FBI is like, there's no way we can prove it, but the fingerprints match and the hair matches, but it can't be your son. Like, your son's only been missing for a year. How did he age 38 years? 
uh, and but you get it. He looks into the the like the mirror, and there's this red like demonic substance around his head, telling him make sure you kill all of King Lore's enemies. And it ends with you finding out he didn't actually defeat Lore, but is being controlled by him. Oh, and that's where the first issue ends. It's sick. I've gotten pretty far in this series. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's the that mix of like modern day with magic, and I really enjoy it. Um, I'll hop right into the rating. The art. Sure. The art is super cool. Okay. I give the art an eight. Very good. I did it. Action. So far, so good. So far, so good. First, the first, first book unfortunately doesn't have any action really in it. I'm only gonna give it a two. Um, okay. There's that little bit of urgency because of like the kids missing, but there really isn't any action. The brother punches a bully, and that's about it. The rest of the series, though, is full of action. Um, we're going to go story. Yes. I'm doing it right. I'm so proud of you. It's such a good story. <laughs> I'm going to give the story a 10. I love the concept, and it just keeps getting better. Um, just the whole, like, sucked into a, it. It feels like a very, like, late, early 90s, like, film where like the kid like gets sucked into the time of king arthur or something but it has that adult like vibe to it okay picturing Um, the kid from last action hero being our our kid in that (laughs) yeah exactly like last action hero and those kind of films are like even that terrible martin lawrence movie later the black knight or whatever he got like sucked into that time it's i don't remember that one okay oh so bad it was so bad (laughs) it's a better done version of that story and so i really like it the dialogue again uh, his just his dialogue alone of like telling like like he's this adult man but they still like write it like he's a four-year-old like five-year-old kid like talking about like yeah i slay giants i do all this like (laughs) and plus just the father like the father's dialogue like you actually feel the pain that he's feeling for like being blamed for killing his son and all of this and like not being able to to find his son when he went missing um really good again dialogue's at eight okay and rereadability Clearly, like I'm, I actually have all. I think I have 31 issues of this. Jesus, I haven't. Re- I've only read the first 10 or 12. I haven't had a chance. I'm reading so much stuff for the show. Yeah. Um, but I, I got everything on on here on this this Comicsology app gimmick. Um, so I'm gonna give the re- re- readability a 10. Very um, nice. It's a it's a really fun comic. I'm really enjoying it. And again, this is something I totally could see being adapted into like a Netflix series or a movie. Wouldn't be crazy like high budget, but I could just see it being a ton of fun. And I, I I'm all about like it. Like the way you it finished that that book finished it, it it did sound like a like a cliffhanger you would have in an episode. They'd be like, oh, yeah. I want to see what happens. Yeah. next. you know, I want to find yeah. that backstory. And the whole series is like that. It does that a lot. Like everything has a really like heavy cliffhanger that's like okay gotta read again <laughs> right right very episodic it seems. yeah yeah it's great sounds like it so greg has given that uh book a score of 38 out of 50 that's uh Pretty standard it's yeah. above average you know yeah. usually they like 34 35 so it's just a little bit above yeah above average so not bad uh cool. awesome. and what is the name of it again this is birthright okay image it is image an image comics. comic all right very good Rob, are you ready, my friend? Ready for your uh, uh, first reading? <laughs> I think so, maybe. I don't know. Um, okay, so I uh, kind of went outside your rule, your guide rules a little bit, and I did a graphic novel. That's but more it's than a okay. Issue graphic novel. There are no little mini issues to comprise of it, but it's uh, the comic book story of professional wrestling. Since we all share that as uh, as uh, our past, or how we all met. Um, oh yeah. 
This is a graphic novel by uh, Aubrey Sitzerson and Chris Moreno. It's uh, it's awesome. It's uh, it goes through the entire history of professional wrestling, starting from the days of Greece, uh, carnival early days, uh, and it pretty much goes to explain that professional wrestling has always been a work when it was hours and hours in the you know, in a ring three hour matches or tack and schmitz it was <laughs> and it will it takes you through each and every era and gives you a detailed history uh i am i myself am a wrestling historian so to have a visual guide of the history of wrestling and it, it takes you through every major era, uh, the NWA eras of the 50s, the WWF golden era of the 80s, the attitude era of the 90s. It takes you all the way up into the indie scene in Japan now in Ring of Honor. Uh, wow. Oh, friends friends of ours like Dolan Castle are in, in this story. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> to see like people like that with their artwork in it. Um, it's it was it's awesome. Uh, I mean, it, it goes to Japan, it goes to Mexico, uh, Puerto Rico, and it, it wow. a map of all the territories in it. Um, it. For any true historian of professional wrestling, I suggest getting this. Um, it took me literally when I saw this on the shelf. It took me literally about five, four to five seconds. To like <laughs> um, pretty much great. Uh, I mean, story-wise, there's not much to really get into, but it, like I said, it goes, it's it's a chronological history of professional wrestling. Uh, very detailed. I mean, and they they make characters of everybody. Like, wrestlers, you, you never knew what they looked like uh, from the early 1900s. Like, they'll, they'll have that's an awesome. actual character of him in the, in, in one of the panels, and you're like, oh, that's what that guy looked like. All right, that's what, <laughs> that's what uh, Frank Gotch looked like, you know? Oh, um, but I love it. I love it. Um, it's pretty good. I don't know. Where do I go from here? Guide me with all the guys sure. should say about well, it. Well, I'm going to ask real quick, since you don't have a ton of story to talk about, is there an era of yours that's your favorite, uh, even whether one that's covered in there, just one in general that you really like cling to and like to learn about? Yeah. I mean, so like I said, I fancy myself a historian, but there were like little minute details that, you know, it, until either didn't, I didn't know, or I would made me, made me like understand a little bit better because you had a visual guide to it. So cool. when they're talking about the early, uh, they're talking about the 1920s and they're talking about the gold dust trio and how that worked in with Ed Stringer Lewis being their, their guy and toots Mont and how he went on to create the, the WWWF with Vince McMahon senior, like, it goes into those kind of details and it's like having a visual aid to go along with it makes it like a more concrete understanding. It's one thing to read paragraphs and yeah. your due diligence that way. But this being a visual aid, like it, it's a good bridge for children to right. Yeah. What happened before they, you know, before this era of wrestling, it was pretty clean, clean story wise and language and all that. Oh yeah, uh, they 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 the vocabulary is there. Uh, the the common vocabulary now that everybody knows, you know. Yeah. They Sweet. explain all that. So you and it talks to talks to the viewer at first, like like they're a new fan, and then 
when you've become accustomed to that vocabulary, then it's almost like they're talking to every fan. In it. Okay, that's cool. That's a how really much did that re- does that retail for? Uh, eighteen ninety nine. It's not bad. Um, U.S. I gotta find that. Yeah, that that's cool. Amazing. And what is I, that from? Like this year or? I. It has to be because it goes up to like I. There's Kenny Omega at the end of this. It's gotta be within so the last year. Yeah, yeah. It's very recent. Okay. But, um, but it's awesome. I got it at Pop Rock here in Rochester. You know, um, cheap plug. I love it. Yeah, there. cheap plug. We, <laughs> we, we're we're trying to get up there to to record a, an episode or something, or just even hang out and record one of our it, like YouTube, Facebook live videos. But I I haven't had a chance to be there yet. I haven't had no, the pleasure. I know. I know. If it's, you're it's, ever it's... in the Rochester area, folks, this is the place to hang out because it's not just a comic book shop. It is a hangout spot. It, there's a bar to sit at. There's no alcohol served here. It's for the people who they're tired of the bars or never got into them. You hang out there, have yourself a, a caffeine cocktail, mocktail, read some comic books, check out some merchandise. They have a million Funko figures, and oh, it's just great. Yeah, they did a really good job. I know the one time I went up, it was it's been a few months. I think it was like three or four weeks into it. Yeah, me and Rob met up, and yeah, the, the, like it's like a cer- like cereal, like that's yeah, their I'm main their it. main course, like, and it's they have av- like every different kind. And they do such a good job of it. The environment is just—it's different, you know. It's—it's it's why I like certain comic book shops that have their own like unique feel yeah. to it, unique appearance, and it has that. I mean, I've never heard of anything like that before in my life. Yeah, and it's cool to hear about other like we get to talk about Buffalo comic book shops all the time. But it's nice to plug something close to home, but a little farther away. If we have anyone listening from like Rochester or even Batavia area, like I've—I've I've heard nothing but good things about Pop Rock, and I'm upset I haven't been there yet. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. You mean Gall? I'll take a road trip one of these days. We'll go hang out with yeah. Rob. Heck I'll yeah. meet up with you guys. It'll be a good time. I love it. So All right, my scale. Oh. I didn't pay attention to the rating system. Oh no, you're okay. Um, it's pretty much it's one out of ten. Uh, I mean, it's it's basically just kind of a feel number that we have, and you can pretty much uh, you know, say what you want. Um. For the first category is going to be the artwork in the book. The artwork. Okay. So the artwork, I am actually going to give, I'm going to give a nine out of 10. Okay. And the reason is, is because why I rate it so high is because like they depict every wrestler in this. I mean, when they're in the Japanese section, they draw Antonio Inoki and it looks like Antonio Inoki. When they're talking about all these eras, these guys look exactly like here's Ricky Dozen. That's that's what Ricky Dozen looked like. Like it's very detailed. It's it, it helps you learn because this is a factual book. It's it's not an action based book. So to have such strong images go along with it. Oh, one thing too. It also goes the opposite way when they they go through the entire history of wrestling. So they talk about the Chris Benoit murder. Oh, wow. Wow. The one thing they do for their panel in it, if I could find it, is uh, it's so subtle but so strong. I can't find it in the moment, but <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Black. Black. Nothing. Black, and it says, on June twenty second, 2007, Chris Benoit murdered his wife and seven-year-old son. Took his own life two days later. Like, that's all they needed. Like, there's so wow. much attention to detail, even when to pull back the art. 
And that's yeah. that's something I thought it was really smart. Here's also like the map of the of the United States. The viewers can't see it, but in territory perspective of the territory system that clearly maps it out and puts a depiction of each top wrestler from each territory. It's 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 awesome. So yeah, the art gets fine. What's the next category? Uh, next category is action. So action. Like I said, this isn't an action one. This so this is more encyclopedic. So you're not getting like it'd be one thing if they broke down um, an actual match and you're watching them go at it. I would give the action higher. There are there are frames of action going on, but it's just to talk about who that artist or who that wrestler is. Right. Yeah. So being more informational, I'd have to say, as far as action's concerned, I'd have to give it like a four. Okay, and that's, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's, but, that's incredibly fair. But this is but the rest of the categories are where it's going to balance out. So next category is story. Story. That's, so, that sounds like a pretty easy one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because this one, it really, it goes chronological. And since there's not a lot of uh, dialogue, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's all it's you know it's all caption boxes. So it just it it and it reads like a book. Each caption reads like a book. Like I felt like I was actually sitting down and reading paragraph after paragraph, but really I'm just reading frame after frame. So being that it goes so detailed in the history and it goes from start to finish, it doesn't really bounce around a lot. So I would have to say, as far as that, I would give it a an eight. Okay. Cool. Very good. Uh, dialogue. Dialogue. So dialogue, like I said, there, there's very few elements of dialogue in it. If you're looking for, you know, characters to interact with each other, this isn't the book for you. Yeah. Right. You know, I know WWF or WWE, excuse me, has their own series. Oh, how dare you say that? Depict. I know. <laughs> Jeez. Get, it's only been like 15 years. Like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> But I, I know the they have a line the that where they depict like the storylines and the angles, and they make it like adaptable to like a, what a comic book would be. This one is not. Yeah. I'd have to give it a two as far as dialogue. Dialogue, fair. Okay. Yeah. Maybe one. No. Maybe one. one. You want to change it one? Hopefully, is very little dialogue. Like it, okay. Every. It's night more of a visual night. thing. It sounds like. Yeah. Like I, on this one page, there's one little box of dialogue. Like on this one page. So <laughs> yeah, one. Okay. It's my kind of book. I don't have to read. <laughs> oh, no, you got to read. There's a lot to read. Oh. <laughs> but no, I gotcha. Uh, and rereadability. Uh, rereadability. This book up again over and over. I say rereadability. Uh, that one's going to go, I'd probably say 7 out of 10 on that. Okay. okay. Me being a historian, I'm probably going to, you know, it's going to sit on the shelf, but every once in a while I'll be like, Hmm. Let me think about this. What you know? Maybe I'm in a discussion with one of my friends, and we're like we're debating something in wrestling history. I'm like, well, wait. Let me just see about that. So, in terms of that, maybe, maybe not going. I might not do it from start to finish again. So just bits and pieces. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, bits and pieces. So then I'll drop it to six. I think six out of ten because yeah. it's going to get opened up again. It's going to get read. That's for sure. Uh, start to finish though, probably not. So. Six out of ten. Okay. That's fair. So you give a final score of 29 out of 50, uh, which is, you know, it's about average, about halfway there. Uh, but it sounds like a very niche book, and I actually i am very curious to pick it yeah. up. I think 
Uh, it sounds like any pro wrestling fan should pick this up. It sounds like really, really cool. And you were showing me some of the images through Skype, and it just looks it looks yeah. incredible. It looks incredible. So, all right. I guess that means I am up for our last of the old books this week. I selected this one I picked up at Used Book Outlet a few uh, months ago. It is The Best of Street Fighter, number two from Malibu Comics, uh, which I don't think we've done a Malibu comic book here yet. And uh, (laughs) a rare one. It is, uh, it was. Uh, 1993, September 1993 is when it came out. My birthday. Is it? Yeah. Oh, man, just a baby. Maybe <laughs> <Just a> <laughs> not. All right. So, uh, instantly the cover is a fight with uh, Sagat and and Ken. It, 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 it's just so cool. I mean, I do want to say I love. After reading this, I love the idea of video game based comic books. Oh yeah, expanding yeah. the story. And as soon as I completed it, I was looking on Amazon and seeing if they had like there's Mortal Kombat ones. Yep. Oh, there's, yeah. I want to find some Resident Evil ones. I've been told that there's some of that, and I'm sure there's there's tons and tons of other. I think there was like a old Sonic the Hedgehog one. Like, like, that's exactly Sonic what I was gonna say. I do I do have one somewhere in here. Uh, so I'm gonna there's to... like Mega Man ones where yeah. I, IDW does some of them where they they mix some of those video game guys with you know all the other worlds and whatnot. Really? Yeah, IDW d- does a lot. I've found out very recently like they have their hands in a little bit of every property, so it's super interesting. They're the Funko Pop of comic books. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best <laughs> way to put it. Honestly, that sounds pretty good. Um... So yeah, I mean, right off the bat, it, it's really cool to see these these famous video game characters, uh, and this was the height of their popularity, without a doubt. Uh, but it starts off. There's a fight in an alley. Uh, Ken is getting <laughs> blasted with with <laughs> his fire energy from Sagat, and I do got to add, my favorite part of this book is that they actually yell out their attacks <laughs> in in voice bubbles like they did in the video games. Sonic like boom. It's, it, like he, Sagat's yelling "Tiger," and, and and Ken's just getting getting wrecked in an alley, uh, and yeah, it's just just a fight with Ken. Uh, apparently, in the first issue, there was a fight between Ken and uh, Balrog, and so it's right at, immediately after, and and uh, Sagat's just giving him the business. Another fun, funny one, yelling "Tiger uppercut!" Like in the real world, if somebody yelled "Uppercut," I'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna just." You know, dodge it. Like we don't do that in wrestling. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he's just like, tiger uppercut. And he, he just, Ken just like, okay, right on the chin. <laughs> right on the chin. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, actually most of the book was a fight between between them, really. And, uh, yeah, they went back and forth. And Ken's finally like, okay, why don't I just leave this alley uh, <laughs> and get in front of people? Uh, and you you later find out that he's actually like a movie star now. He's done fighting. And, and like Johnny Cage? Saga- I was yeah, just thinking about Ken Cage. It's, it's Ken Cage, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much that. And, uh, I mean, you find out that Sagat is trying to get revenge uh, on Ryu. Ryu, however you pronounce his name. Who, if you're a fan of Street Fighter, uh, or if you're not a fan of Street Fighter, he's like one of the biggest name guys in that game franchise. Can I verify something? Sagat's the boxer, right? Kickboxer, yeah. Yes. Kickboxer, right. He had the boxing gloves on and, and then the Belrog, yep. Yes. Uh, Belrog was also a boxer. He was a U.S. 
boxer, I think it yeah. was. Yeah, Sagat has like the eye patch and the big scar down his chest. But yeah, yeah, he, he was like uh, the right hand man of of M Bison. Bison, yeah. Which, yeah, we'll get into that that a little. I've bit. seen the uh, unfortunately. Oh, the movie over. <laughs> Over a hundred times I've I seen the John Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. Over a hundred. Sorry, I love That's that. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> Maybe because I saw it when I was like nine years old. But you know how you, some movies, when you see when you're a kid, they just I don't see what the world sees. I don't see yeah. it's so bad. Like Street Fighters up there for that. Mortal Kombat's up there for that. And like Howard the Duck. Like <laughs> Ooh, Howard the Duck. I watched it so many times my TV caught fire. Let's just seriously, I wish I was kidding. My TV caught fire from watching it. Legit? (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Without a sonic boom? Did you sonic boom your TV? Like what? I might have in my sleep. (laughs) Oh my god. Too many dreams about Chun Li, I think. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Uh, so they're out on the street. Uh, Ken calls for a he's calling for a limo, but uh, in the limo, it happens to be Belrock, who just got beat up, and and Ken gets kicked into the limo. The, the limo's pretty shattered up, uh, and all these people are, are coming around watching because Ken is a movie star now, and they're like, oh, cool, he's shooting a movie. And they're like, no. <laughs> Where's the cameras? Yes. And they're like, oh, my God, no, this is legit. He's legit getting messed up. Oh, he's bleeding. Uh, That's real. <laughs> inside, there's a little uh, message. Uh, Belrog is communicating with M. Bison. Uh, about their plan to defeat Ryu, and it's, you know, it comes with defeating Ken because they're obviously best of friends. Uh, fight continues. Uh, they show back, go back to M. Bison. Somebody's trying to sneak up on M. Bison and, and attack him, and uh, Vega shows up. Ooh. And it's like the Boba Fett of Street Fighter. Dude, he is that's that's awesome. a perfect way to explain him. The coolest mask and costume. He kind of does his own thing. He's not super aligned aligned with the with the heels, but he's you know out for money, out for hire. Yeah, it, yeah. It, this 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 panel. This it's just one giant panel. It's really cool. It's M Bison at this desk in the middle of nowhere, uh, <laughs> watching everything that's going on in the limo from the limo, and he goes, "But there's or no Vega goes, I am ready." And he's he's pose he's he's calling him out he's got the hand gesture you know at the like the rock used to do and m bison goes but there's still so much i could teach you vega and then they both charge at each other and m bison goes oh a new pawn enters the darkness today and vega goes handsome fighters never lose a battle i don't know why that that popped me so much uh, that's what's cool about I, him because he was badass and handsome he was a little yeah. bit yeah but he can handle himself exactly no oh, i i loved it um, oh, here we go. Some more fight between uh, Sagat and Ken. <laughs> Ken yelling dragon punch. You know, That's roughly him. translated to sure you can. Yeah, yeah uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. There is a Hadouken scene, too, in, yes. later on, which I, I pop for. Uh, I feel like every issue better have that. I, I would hope so. I At least one frame of it. <laughs> I want to find more issues of it, but Ken's, yeah, Ken's just getting... Uh, absolutely wrecked here, kicked. He's bleeding all over the place, and uh, finally Sagat knocks him down. And Belrog comes over. He's about to go for the kill, and it actually appears that Belrog and Sagat have killed Kent. There's a vicious scene. Sagat's pulling him up by the hair. He's got him off the ground, and he has the giant knife thing. And they show him swing it, and there's just blood everywhere. 
cuts to a training montage from years ago with Ryu, uh, who looks very little different than he does in the video games, just a tad bit, uh, and training What's with different? Ken. And while he's What's there, different about it, Ryu? He looks more actually Asian, like yeah, really. He's not, not as Americanized as he was in the video games. Yeah, okay. It's so, not the Final Fantasy look. It's yes. All right. Um, and then actually, here comes a closing scene right here. There's a car that just bursts through this room that Ryu's meditating in and thinking about all this stuff. And he goes to look inside because the car crashes. And inside is uh, Ryu's hair and a piece of – like he looked, it actually looks like they scalped him. Ken? You mean, yeah. Or Ken. It looks like they scalped Ken. Oh, Ken's hair. Like it took the mullet like right off. They cut it. His not his body, but yeah. I mean, look at. I mean, I'm going to show Greg. I mean, it looks like they scalped him. Oh no, they did scalp him. That's they nasty. did scalp him, and and they have a piece of his his clothing. And Ryu's holding it up, and he's crying. He goes, "Ken, my oldest friend." No, you know, it was really like really graphic. Yeah, and I didn't expect genius. this out of a Mortal Kombat book, but not really a Street Fighter. But it took it to a whole new level. Um, well, so with that, I'm going to start my grades, and it's actually really oh, look at this, Mortal Kombat the comic book right at the end for Malibu. I got to go find it now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go to my grades, uh, starting with the artwork. Uh, I really, I really, really liked it. It's that '90s look uh, that I appreciate, and some of the visual scenes were just absolutely amazing. They did such a good job of bringing Street Fighter. I'm not going to say the life because obviously it wasn't the live action movie, but bringing it and extending the story and it's just, it's really, really cool. Uh, I'm going to give the artwork a, a nine. Nice. Action. Uh, oh my God, so much action. This might be one of the most complete books I've ever read, to be honest with you. Yeah. As far as, because usually if, if there's not a whole lot of action, there's a lot of dialogue. If there's not a whole lot of dialogue, there's a lot of action. Uh, it's like any episode of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, pre- pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Any given episode is either leans towards the action or it leans towards dialogue, depending on what day of the week it is. And that's it's one hundred percent true. And this this felt like that. I'm going to give the action a ten. Story. Uh, I was drawn in. I mean, it wasn't it, obviously the ending was a huge cliffhanger as to what happens next. Obviously, you know Ryu's been drawn out and. You know, you, you want to know what happens and, and how the story con- concludes. Uh, so I'm going to give the story a eight. Uh, yeah, there was there was a lot there was a lot going on. There was it was a pretty nice straight out story. Obviously, most of the book dealt with uh, their fight, um, but yeah, there was a lot of other story going along. Dialogue, uh, very easy to follow, and it helped push the story along. Nothing special by any means. Uh, but like I said, it was cool. I, I I'm gonna give it a high rating just because they called out their moves. I was gonna say if you don't get bonus points for that, yeah, at least one oh, bonus point for that. I'm giving the dialogue a ten. I have to. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I have to. How could you not? I mean, they said Tiger Punch. Like it's it, it's a gimme. <laughs> it's everything you want. It's so be good. honest, as a Street Fighter fan. Oh, so amazing. Uh, uh and rereadability. I'm going. I would pick this book up again. It was very detailed, very vivid. Uh, I'm going to give the rereadability a nine. So that gives me a score of. Try my best to do Niagara Falls math. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Use your toes if you have to. Oof. Uh, oh wait, I have my phone free. Usually I have my phone uh, <laughs> streaming. It's usually video re- recording us. All right, nine plus ten equals plus purple. Eight plus shut up plus <laughs> nine. Forty-six. Wow. Out of fifty, and wow, you know that's, what? A, that's, that's excellent. That's it. It is such a good read. I want to find more of these for for Malibu. Yeah, that's cool. Not like a, it's not a mainstream comic book company by any means, but they were they were they were ever present. Uh, this is a fantastic piece of, yeah. of work. I, I'm interested to see the rest of those. I'm gonna find more, and I'm gonna find some Mortal Kombat ones because I'm a huge Mortal Kombat fan, yeah. big more so than a Street Fighter fan. Uh, and I think I could, I would really gravitate and appreciate some of those. But um, all right. That is that. Now we're going on to our new books. Greg. Hi. What's up, bud? <laughs> I'm sleepy. Are you? Okay. Almost. Oh, we're halfway through now. Halfway through. We got more stuff to do afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. We do. <laughs> so for my new comic, again, uh, fantasy. I went with The Realm, issue 10. It just came out on Halloween. Um, mm. it w- it's an image comic. So I picked it up last night and read it outside of the house before I walked upstairs. <laughs> oh my god, you're such a slacker. <laughs> I was spooking on Halloween night. I was hiding in the, the hay, jumping out as a werewolf at a haunted house. I was sleeping. I wish. <laughs> I was watching I horror movies. My, yeah, I was I watched uh was it Winchester, I think it was called. Ugh. At my parents' house. It was inter- it was interesting. And then uh I came home and went to sleep. I want to sleep. I've had all week. I just I've been meaning to rewatch House on Haunted Hill, but I want to sleep a little bit. So I feel it. I, <laughs> I heard good things about it. But, uh, uh, carry on. So I'm gonna dive into this comic book. Yeah. So it opens with a group of kids. Um, they are dressed in like mismatch, like some fantasy clothes, but also kind of modernly dressed. And you totally get like, I'm I'm. Is a fan of the show. If you've watched episodes before, you know I'm a huge D and D fan. Yes. I love Dungeons and Dragons. It's probably like one of my favorite hobbies to do. Can I ask you a random I... question? Go for it. Have you ever seen the movie? Oh gosh, <laughs> unfortunately, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> Marla, wait, see, see what I mean? You so good. Okay, so the house I saw it. It's not too weird, right? Uh, oh, it's so good. So they're <laughs> making a new one right now. Are they really? Yeah, uh, Joe Maganello, who played Deathstroke in like the last ten seconds of Justice League, is a huge Dungeons and Dragons player, as well as Karen Page from um, Daredevil. She plays Dungeons and Dragons. She's a dungeon master, and a ton of the voice actors from all sorts of different video games you've played: Last of Us, um, uh, 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 Uncharted, Injustice. They're all Dungeons and Dragons players on a TV show I watch. Um, I'll, I'm going to be reading their comic book on one of our episodes, oh, good. but they are working on making a Dungeon Dragon movie. So huge fan. Um, so yeah, you've got this room and it looks like a classic Dungeons and Dragons like party. It looks like you've got like your archer and your wizard. You've got a guy with a sword strapped around his back. Um, and they are in this like storeroom full of magical items trying to figure out like they're looking for something and they're just talking about taking everything and running. Um, and then it cuts over to another panel and there's this guy who's being tortured by this giant, like, spider zombie lich thing. Like, he's this Whoa. giant wizard with, like, spider eyes, and he's almost got, like, a uh, a Galactus mask, but it's got spider, spider eyes. eyes. So he's got, like, eight eyes? He's got, yeah, he's got, like, a ton of eyes, and it's almost on a Galactus-style helmet. But then he's got, like, long, like, 
zombie-esque fangs, and he's got this weird little spider gremlin on his shoulder. Um, and they're talking about he has this power inside of him, but it's not awake yet, and he doesn't know how to control it. And it cuts back and forth um, to it cuts back to like the D and D party, and they are like walking down some hallway, and it nods to one of my favorite D and D monsters of all time, the gelatinous cube, which is literally just a giant cube of acidic jello with a skeleton inside of it, and it just picks up everything as it goes down hallways, and it moves super slow. Uh, and they walk up to it, and, like stick a, a torch into it, and the torch immediately gets burned out. And they're like we should get away from it and start like walking away in this cube. If the skull s- didn't give you that hint in the first place. I mean. <laughs> it's so good. And this, it's just slowly following them. <laughs> and it's too slow. Uh, it cuts over to a group of, like, almost, I can't really tell what they look like. It's just a bunch of guys on, like, horses with machine guns. But there's a guy with, like, a fox mask and a, a sniper rifle. And they're talking about how they're working for Lord Eldritch. Um, but they don't really trust him. And then it cuts away. That's all you get from them. And it's back to the spider uh, spiders torturing this other guy. Um, they're trying to like pull some power and give him access to it. Um, and they're they're basically torturing him by doing it. And the gremlin's like up on his shoulder, and they they start holding this amulet closer and closer to his head, and it starts vibrating, and he starts screaming in pain. Um, and they're like super excited. There's something very special about him, and he's like trapped in spider webs. Uh, it cuts over to this Lord Eldritch guy and the Queen. That's all they give you for a name. Uh, and they're talking about how they're they're clearly evil. They're she's completely covered in red, and he has gothic makeup. They're clearly evil. <laughs> it's a fantasy from book. That's, yeah, that's that's <laughs> usually a pretty good sign. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. Those gothic kids at school used to get picked on because of that. I, I know <laughs> the Satanic Panic and all that. Um, they are like talking about how they should be working together. Um, because they, they're servants of Lord Eldritch. Sorry, this is his name is Kevin, even though he does not look like a Kevin. There's he looks nothing like, more evil than the name Kevin. He looks like a knockoff. I know a lot Actually, of Kevins. I know Kevins. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, there was, was a thing a while ago. <laughs> Hashtag no Kevin. That this guy does not look like a Kevin, but so they're just talking about how they should work together, but they don't. And there's this like kind of like this backhanded like, just they're just like kind of taking stabs at each other. Um, it cuts back over again to our, our friend getting tortured by the spiders and the spider gremlin. I love this little spider gremlin thing. It's just like picking on them the whole time. And it's really funny. And I, I just kind of want one. Um, <laughs> and they've got these, like, gets one. <laughs> yeah. Till I get one and it eats me. And then they have these like little, I can't tell what they are. These like tiny little servants that are working alongside them. They're like two feet tall. Um, and they're dragging this spider web guy up onto an altar and they're about to start like some sort of ritual to pull this power out of him. Uh, he like tries to fight back and he bite, bites the little spider gremlin's arm off. Um, and as like the lich goes to stab him, he pulls one of the soldiers up and actually the soldier gets stabbed in the chest. Um, and he tries to fight back, but they stop him. And right as he's about to get stabbed again, they re-restrain him. Um, an arrow from one of that crew flies through the wrist of the lich and a huge fight breaks out. Um, they're like slinging magic and fighting with swords, stomping on the spiders. Um, they throw him, the guy that was trapped, his sword. He's got this weird like black charred arm. Um, and I, I'm not really sure what it plays into. Um, they get into a huge fight. The, the wizard is like throwing magic at this giant like 
all of the little gnomes, like whatever they were, like form together and make one giant monster. And he's like throwing magic at him, trying to stop him. Uh, and finally, the guy with the black arm cuts the the giant like spider lich down the middle of the head, and he dies. Uh, and all of the monsters around them stop. They bring him his stuff he lost. Oop, the mic's a little far from my face. They bring him his stuff he lost. Um, talk about getting the heck out of there. They grab the amulet and they run outside. Um, and it's just, there's like dragons flying through the sky everywhere. And that is where it ends. This is a cool comic. It's very different. Uh, it's obviously the 10th issue, so there's a lot. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but it was enough that I was still interested. Right. Um, Which is good, you know, unlike X-23 number four. Yeah, unlike X-23 number four. You know, it was halfway through a story and it didn't really explain it. I get who the bad and good guys are. I get what's going on. Um, So I'm going to start. Art, it's that typical new art that I'm a huge fan of. Um, But I'm going to give it an eight strictly out of the fact that, like, I love the art of the gelatinous cube. And it's done so (laughs) freaking well. Uh, And it sounds like it's hard to do a bottle of jello weird a giant jello cute but it's so good and i love it and just like the magic and the monsters they just all feel really cool and they do a really good job at blending that modern feel with the fantasy feel so right. so that's okay. that uh, 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 uh action 10 this comic is 90 percent action and again i'm a fantasy nerd and i love a good like sword fight scene and it does such a good job with it um, I'm a. I really like it. I really felt the, the desperation of the fight too. It didn't just feel like when you read some comic books where it's just like, a fight happens and like it's like okay, cool, bang, pow. Like you felt like it was like they were scrambling for the weapons and like getting knocked over. And this team isn't like the best fighters in the world. They're kind of falling into this. Right. Um, story. I don't know what's going on. I I want to like the story. I don't know what the story is. I'm gonna give the story a three. Okay. Um. There's some clear, like, stuff going on, but it's very, very... You, d- I don't know what's happening. I don't know why they're in the world they're in, why it's a mix of modern and fantasy. Um, but, yeah. Dialogue. The dialogue I'm going to give a six. It's all right. There's nothing too flowery or fancy about the dialogue. Um, it's pretty simple, and there's not a lot of it. And rereadability... I could reread the fight a couple of times and just looking through everything. Um, I'm going to give it and based on the fact that I'm really excited to read other, the other, the first nine issues of this, uh, as well as I would pass this along to my friends who are D and D fans, because it is clearly a nod to it. It's clearly inspired. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. I really liked it. Um, unfortunately for this, I got really excited by an ad in the back for this comic book called die that images was releasing which is like oh, what's that movie stay alive that came out forever ago where oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the people are playing dungeons and dragons but they're like dying because of it and it sounds so cool i mean I it's, not as, it's not as cool as a sea monkeys uh oh a sea monkey ads are awesome ad from the 70s you can buy 80s. officially licensed armor from this comic book are though. you serious yeah but uh i so i really like this i don't know what the score was uh it is a 34 out of 50 this cool, yeah. This is a start to. I'm gonna start doing even more like actual Dungeons and Dragons stories, and I'll be doing Elf Quest, which is my mom's first comic book. Oh, really? Um, I almost was almost. She's got a friend who named one of her his sons after a character from that book, really? and uh, so I'm excited to read that. 
but yeah, this was a cool start. I'm, I'm excited to be diving into the fantasy stuff. Good, good, good. All right, 34 out of 50. Rob, you are up, my Rab. friend. I'm hey excited. I'm excited for this one because we've read. You know already. Oh, I know. We do. Tell the peoples. I chose the X-Men Black Juggernaut issue. We may or may not be biased towards X-Men on this show because we've read one almost every episode. Just about. There's, <laughs> there's at least been an X-Men character appearance in every episode except for our specials. Yep. Uh, well, basically, I chose it because uh, you gave me some options, and the first one I asked about was that one. I said, what's this series all about? And you said this is where they've been turning the heels babyface. They give you a babyface perspective, and like we said earlier, alluded to earlier on the program, that's really cool. I sympathize with villains, especially long-standing villains. Oh yeah, you know, been around for for a while. Um, that's there's a reason you like them. There's a reason they've been around for a while because you like them and uh, you endure. And what this series does is it makes you sympathize sympathize with the Juggernaut. Um, so basically, it starts out uh, and Juggernaut is ra- he's rampaging throughout. Uh, He's fighting the X-Men, like, right off the bat. But there's clearly, like, a separa- separation in his uh, personalities, and somebody's Ooh. talking in his head. And it's, uh, you know, he's in control of the the gem of Citarac or, or whatever it is. It's basically, he's being, it, this story is explaining how he's being used as a pawn. Um, and it, it really goes to explain, like, his demons on the inside, like, he really has multiple personalities going on. So he's battling the X-Men and he's saying to himself, you know, this isn't real. This isn't real. Um, but then there's a voice in his head saying, no, it is. And then eventually contradicting and saying, okay, no, it's not. But you passed the test. Ooh. And, you know, in, he's trying to, he's going through the fight in his head when it's real. He thinks like, you know, Xavier's always in my head and he's always messing with me. And, you know, and and he's kind of being playing a pawn to think that, like, and to think that he's weaker and kind of hating himself. And then there's a little boy in his thoughts who keeps uh, coming out and saying, you know, this is I'm real because I'm I'm you. And it's it, it's like his younger projection. Um, and, and, you know, basically. A lot of the issue is is going through that. So th- this is also like my first digital comic of all time. So it's, it was really interesting to go through and see how <laughs> comics are actually digital and how you could like. Switch. It's so weird. It's so weird. I don't know if I could actually get used to this. I don't know. I, I, I... We do. We we were doing it for our fan choices because uh, uh, people would just shout out random books. And and obviously you could, it's hard to find them in the stores on such a quick yeah. turnaround. And we would do it, and it, it was very hard for me to get invested uh, with digital comics. But it is crazy that there is everything on yeah. the internet. Literally every book is on the internet in digital form. It is unbelievable. I can do it if it's like a comic book reader where you click it and it like goes from panel to panel. I did that for Birthright. Like uh, Comicsology and Marvel Unlimited do that. Yeah. I'm all. I honestly do it a lot because like I'll read a comic while I'm waiting to get into a stop at work or like. Sometimes it shows I'll be sitting there reading comics. That's why I'm like off in the corner. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's cool. So back, back to the story. It's like, he, he keeps, 
you know, like doubting himself and like the Sitarak keeps telling him he's he's lowly to the point where he, he goes, no, I'm all powerful. I'm the juggernaut, you know, without, you know, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Like <laughs> he's like, no, that like I have rage inside of me. And then that's when the Sitarak is like, yeah, you do have that rage and, you know, you need to control it. But I don't, because I you will serve me, and I'm your master. And he's I have no master until he gets there's there's like this other dimension going on, and it's you could tell this is all going inside his head. Goes in between him fighting the X Men, and then like this the Sitarak people like they're just like manipulating him. So you get to see this like bipolar side of him, and then there's like panels in between them talking the Sitarak and Juggernaut and. Where he's like, he's he's battling Juggernaut himself as he's like talking to him, saying like you're nothing, and then bashes him. It, it goes back and forth like, and uh, then the story takes a turn towards like three quarters of the way through, and then uh, Apocalypse comes into the picture. And honestly. I have no idea what's going on with the Apocalypse story. I'm guessing it's one greater story arc of the X-Men Black series. Yes, they've yep. put him in the end, uh, the Magneto one. Uh, when Chris read uh, the Mojo one, he, he had a little mini Apocalypse story. It's actually really cool. Um, so I do advise you to pick like up all of them if you, if yeah. you want to piece it together because it's actually a really fun story. Emma Frost came out yesterday, and that will have the final piece of that Apocalypse That's right. story. That's right, the last one. Well, so. this apocalypse part is the day it says day one and he's breeding a a uh ape that has like the apocalypse smile on him <laughs> they are um they are pretty they they like the creation they they, they like what it was made because it has some sapien in it and it it seems to be some kind of genetically altered Oh, it says day one. Okay, so it takes you through day 11. See, I read this earlier. I'm a last second one too, but... Um, and it takes you through the life of this monkey as it as it... It's brutally beaten. It's brutally, like... And it's told to survive, survive. And it keeps... They keep saying... The people of Apocalypse keep attacking him and, like, you know, saying survive, survive. Because they're obviously breeding something. And he gets to the point of, like death and they they keep bringing him back to life and then making him suffer more they're putting stabbing him they're electrocuting him they're they're beating him it's it's pretty brutal and then at the end they're just like they go to give him food and he just he he he's a monster at that point this this animal has become like complete monster and now all this instead of the apocalypse's men saying survive now he's saying it in his own head uh, the panel is showing that he's just he's saying survive, survive, survive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's pretty brutal. But then they then they beat him down like once more, and uh, I don't know. They they it pretty much ends on, on uh. Oh wait, no, no, no. I see. I must have not finished this one. Then, <laughs> it starts it up like oh wait, it, I didn't see this. Okay, now I just lost a couple panels. That's all. Uh, okay. So yeah, Apocalypse ends up uh, okay, revealing that this 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 is one of the this is a creature he's creating so that he can take over into his body. Okay. Would would you transfer transfer uh, vessels? So hmm. yeah, would you call it Ape Apocalypse? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely would go there myself. But I have that kind of sense of humor. Okay, so my ratings. So the first one is... Art. 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 So art-wise, um, I'm going to give a 7 out of 10. Okay. Um, there were the details on Juggernaut, the details on Apocalypse, like, kind of harken back to old 90s stuff, like, old, like, I don't know, Jim Lee stuff. Like, there's... <sighs> It's very I, I'm a I'm a mark for that nineties art style. I really don't like modern comic style. Like I don't I, yeah, I'm the same way. I don't like the boxy edge stuff. So the reason I'm giving it seven is cause like the X-Men, I don't know if it was because it's like some sort of dream world that we're in for Juggernaut or in his head, but the X-Men themselves are very boxy, very pointy edged. I don't like I don't like <laughs> pointy jaw thing. I like more realistic looking, even if it's like muscle upon muscle and you're like oh that's not real. i don't know i i like that 90s style so yeah a little bit of both i so just chopped off three points because of like the the x-men were like all square jawed and I, I just don't like that i gotcha action action um so it had like a lot of action in the in, the, in a lot of back and forth like he's battling the x-men but it's like it's like a, in an action movie like if you find if you're watching a scene and there's a big battle going on, and then you find out right after you witness that that it's not actually part of the story, that it was a dream, or it was in somebody's head, or they woke up and it just actually didn't happen. You, you always feel a little bit like, okay, well, that didn't really count. So, because of the- Like Twilight. Action, huh? Like Twilight. <laughs> exactly. The last Twilight- Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> they're taking each other's heads off and stuff. That where was this in all the other movies? And then all of a sudden, they're like, "That's what would happen." Like, come on! <laughs> that cop so out bad. stuff. So, with that said, I'll say action-wise, I'm giving a five. Five, okay. Because I had some, but it just wasn't like it wasn't a story mover. The action itself. I got you. Yeah, it's more story based, which uh, which is the next thing, uh, story. So story, um, I loved it because it just it went into the head. So I guess you have to be following the series to get the huge story arc of Apocalypse. But I think I like what uh, it seems like each is- issue just really delves into the mind of that villain and gives you a reason to sympathize. And us, you know, being from the wrestling world, how do you turn a heel babyface? So you got to create sympathy. Yeah. So, I love that. I loved like he, I, I felt bad for Juggernaut as I'm reading it. I felt like he was like this abused, abused being, and then he has this like this envy of his stepbrother that he, you know, who's the most all powerful mutant in the world. So like, and then like he's always been told he's dumb, and he's like, I'm not dumb. I, you know, in, in it he's like has to defend that he's not dumb. He's smart about a lot of things, and the way they wrote it was like was in a non-intelligent way like it, right right the story i would give because it had that one like that one last bit with the overarching story so jumping in is a little hard i'm gonna go with another seven seven okay because i really liked the first two-thirds and then that last third was like third act was a little you have to kind of know i gotcha i gotcha all right dialogue is your next one Dialogue. So I just alluded to dialogue and how they set it apart with, uh, you know, showing his intelligence. And there was like this definite uh, distinguish 
between Juggernaut's talk and what was going on in his head because of the gem. Um, so dialogue was really good. I'm going with, I'm going to go with a nine out of ten. No, I'm going to probably go with ten out of ten. Ten. Okay. There's even parts in the in the book where he, when he's battling the X Men, and he just he does this like giant, like double fist blow to them, and 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 with the destruction of of his punches, spell the word war out, and it's like. Oh little subtleties like that that i love that you're That's cool it, it, it's crossing the line of dialogue and art and it's combining it together and it, it just that little bit of edge that's why i was like no i'm gonna give it a 10 i was gonna give it a nine then i thought about that aspect of it and no, <laughs> that's solid it's a dialogue okay and the last category is rereadability rereadability um i would say i'm gonna go with another with an eight because what was that i'm sorry it didn't come through eight i'm gonna go eight, eight okay. out of ten because uh he if you're like you know you want to understand the juggernaut a little bit more i would totally throw that towards somebody and be like at least read the first two thirds of that all uh, right that last third is interesting but you got to know the overarching storyline so yeah i think i think i'm gonna give it give an eight because it's definitely like something there and it's definitely like i don't know it was it was definitely a quality story I, I love delving into the minds of your villains like it's just yeah i love it so yeah okay all right it's an overall score of 37 out of 50 for x-men black juggernaut um and, and just to tie just to tie into that yeah I, I i read the magneto one i didn't read it uh for the show but yes it, it gave like that that inside look as as to magneto and his purpose and Maybe it was a little bit more baby face in, in wrestling terms than the Juggernaut one was. Uh, and even the Mojo one, I, I got to recommend that one to you. That one oh, was so good. hilarious. Uh, just to see Mojo walk around and act like a, you know, like a decent normal human being on Earth, like it was, it was, it was so funny. Um, so if you do find that one, I do, I do advise you to pick that one up. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like that idea of, of a little more inside depth. Um, and and, the, and the, that's what it really seems like. like. If you get like a grander story, it's sometimes harder to do um, what these X Men Black stories yeah. are doing. Uh, but yeah, that sounds great. I have it. I, I have yet to pick it up, and now I I want to. Um, and I pre- I'm really glad you did that book, Rob. That's that's super clutch. I appreciate oh, as that. As soon as you gave me that that angle on it, that it was it was like the heels going, you know, you know, giving you sympathy for them. I'm like, I'm I'm there. I am there. That's like I said. That's why Thanos has become so great to me through the movie because yep. he wasn't somebody who just hate, 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 like he was depicted. It was, it was, it was like no. I want to do it for population control. Like Magneto was always somebody you sympathized with because you know every everything he went through in his life and like yeah he was an extremist, but it wasn't his fault. Like I love stuff like that. And even though like Doomsday would be like my favorite DC villain, and that would be like the antithesis of this kind of character still like i don't know i I love depth i love layers it's all part of great storytelling it is it is and yeah they do a really good job all right on to our last book of the evening uh i selected justice league odyssey number two uh looking forward to this it was uh this was really really cool um i was immediately drawn in by the the cover 
uh, which is all holographic. And Greg was explaining that all of last month's books came out holog- or within the last a month. A whole chunk of last month's books are holographic. They did like a holographic Wonder Woman, Superman, um, Teen Titans. They were doing a lot of cool variants. They did a bunch of holographic variants, and then they did a bunch of portrait variants for okay. a lot of them. So they were doing some really cool like covers for this. But like there was... I went to the new uh, release section at Pulp 716, and it was almost like two straight rows of holographic covers. And I, I almost, I love holographic. Spent all my money. <laughs> it was like it was like finding a holographic charger. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the best way to compare it to. Um, it it is a beautiful artwork cover. I'm not sure who did the artwork on this, um, but right off the bat, I mean, there's cyborg, and it it just looks really really good. Uh, we'll start off. There's a Battle with uh, Dark Side, and it's uh, some of the artwork is really really cool here. Um, you know, it's you know, Dark Side is no more. And then there's a there's an image of Dark Side fighting. Uh, looks like multiple Green Lanterns. One of them's like a Green Lantern Batman, and I'm Ooh. not sure what that's about. Uh, but I'm curious as to see what that's a, about. Uh, they got Superman fighting a Wonder Woman, Flash, and. I, yeah, it says Dark Side No More, and then the next page, uh, let's see, calls, let's see, and so he called three heroes to the ghost sector. Um, so he must be, like, this must be some kind of different realm. I, I didn't quite understand what that was, um, but here we go. The Justice League in this one is Cyborg, uh, Azrael, Starfire, and Jessica Cruz Green Lantern. And there might have been one more, uh, but they're fighting him, and it, it's pretty good. I'm very impressed. Uh, I never read a Justice League book before, to be perfectly honest with you, and to see some of these different characters was uh, was pretty nice. Starfire actually came out pretty good in this book, as well as Cyborg. Azrael was really cool. Uh, but there's pretty much just an all-out fight with, with Darkseid, and it's it's uh, they're on some, some world... Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, you know, halfway through their fight, they show him this, they show Cyborg this statue, uh, which is actually, oddly enough, of Starfire. And what Mm. happened is they're on a realm or a world that worships Starfire as their god or goddess, which I thought was a really, really cool uh, touch. And because apparently the Justice League did something in, in space, and we're, we're well known, and there's actually planets that worship the Justice League members as gods. Yeah. So, so this is really cool, and uh, yeah, they they show the other Justice League members, you know, showing up. Just Cruz, Ezreal, uh, and Starfire, and Starfire sees it, and she is in absolute shock of what's going on, and it's these right. It's this race of like these purple four-armed creatures. They almost remind me of. Oh, what was the 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 little alien, the bug alien from Thor Ragnarok? Uh, Meek. Meek. Yes, they actually kind of look like Meek. So, and that's the visual I, I, I'm getting here. And uh, Jessica Cruz translates, you know, what they're saying because Starfire doesn't understand them. Uh, but yeah, she says that that she's that Starfire is their goddess, and he goes he goes to show her uh, everything. He understands why. They worship, uh, why they worship her, so to speak. And let's see, they're going through telling it. Uh, there's something with Brainiac. It looks like, right? I think that's Brainiac, right? Yeah, that's Brainiac. That's Brainiac. There's a there's a 
battle that's with Brainiac that set him free. And let's see the 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 meek like creature. I, I I can't remember if they actually gave him a name, uh, but he's he's dying and she's he's tra- she's accepting his his memories and 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 stuff like that. And in while in the process of doing that, inherits a some kind of demon, Ooh. which I thought was really cool. This is really cool. It almost <clears throat> it's like some kind of green energy in it. And the first thing that I came to mind was Phoenix Force. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm just looking at the cover, and 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 Rob, I don't know how good you could see it. Obviously, the uh, obviously no. the the podcast listeners can't. Um, Reminds me of uh, from the old the Justice Justice League in the '90s of uh, what was her name? Uh, was she just fire or? or pi- Something like that. Like you know who I'm talking about. She had she was like a fiery chick, but she had like green energy. It's probably her. That's what I, I mean. Star, it is. Starfire did, did. She had green in the Teen Titans series. She had the green in the Teen Titans series. Um, it was more like projectiles. Right, right. So I, I mean, it's just there's just flames everywhere. It's really cool, and it's it, you know, it's it closes. You know, ne- you know, next issue, Starfire, New God, uh, which sounds really, really cool. I'm actually pretty hooked and excited for the next episode or the next issue uh, Matt, you will... weren't you didn't grow you weren't like a you're more of a marvel guy right yes yes i am you're, 100%. you're definitely a more of a marvel guy so it's like is this intriguing you more to like get into dc this you know what this show honestly has one of the first books i reviewed was uh batman kings of fear and and i really like i think dc has phenomenal comic books i i really do it and you know they I, I don't knock DC as much as I do because really before this, my only source to DC was mostly the, the modern movies, uh, which I haven't been too fond of. But now I'm starting to see these different characters that aren't the Justice League, aren't what the about mainline you, Greg? ones. I'm a, I'm a DC head all the way. I'm a Green Lantern fan, Booster Gold fan. Like I grew up more with DC and all of that. And like, I was just telling my wife, she was watching Desperate Housewives. And I was like, why do I know that woman? And it was Lois Lane from the Dean Cain Adventures of Superman. Or oh, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. So like, I, I Marvel something I grew on me through like the animated series, but I've always been a big DC fan and know more about DC probably than I do Marvel. I, I I think for me it's always been pretty fifty fifty because like I said I had that Death of Superman comic but then after that my parents were like oh so you really do like comics let's just buy you everything and they uh, <laughs> yeah Spider Man uh, Batman uh, like there was no difference to me I always I I loved reading both sides so uh, yeah I was just out of curiosity I was wondering that yeah, yeah I've cool. always been yeah super pro Marvel but luckily to this show I my my big thing is always reading something that I wouldn't normally read kind of like challenging myself like I. I you know, I, I would any day I'd pick up a Spider-Man. You know, mar- any most of the popular Marvel characters, um, but for DC it was always a bit of a reach. But you know, I picked up quite a few DC books since starting this podcast, and I'm I'm all the better for it. Uh, this was really really good. Let's get into the ratings. Artwork. Uh, I gotta say immediately that cover. So good. Peels. I mean, peels me. It 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 just, it just draws me in, and really cool throughout. Uh, as Rob said, I'm a big fan of the 90s artwork, uh, but this was a nice take on realism. Uh, 
it was, you know, so the facial features were very realistic and I appreciated it. So I'm going to give the artwork, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a nine. Nine. Action. Uh, plenty. Actually, it wasn't a whole lot of action. There, there was a decent amount to start off uh, with Darkseid and it, it, as quickly as it started, it, it, it kind of ended rather quickly as well. The action, I'm going to give a, a six. Story. That ending hooked me. Absolutely hooked me. And I'm very curious as to what it is. I want to. I also want to find out some of these other planets that worship the different Justice League. Yeah, it's cool. Is uh, I thought that was a really cool theme, and I think it's awesome that Starfire uh, is seems to be the first one uh, that's that's acknowledged and that's that's seen in the comic books. Uh, Story wise, I'm going to give a nine on it. Very high in this book. Dialogue, dialogue helped drive the story. Uh, I think it pretty much goes hand in hand with story. And you learned a lot. You learned a lot. Like I said, you learned about the different planets that worship uh, different Justice League members, and and you know so much more in between. Uh, dialogue. I'm going to give an eight. And rereadability. I would absolutely pick this book up again. Aside from just staring at the cover because of how beautiful it is, uh, it was very very well done. Uh, I almost I want to go find the first one, and I will definitely. Be looking for number three. I'm going to give rereadability a eight, giving it a final score of. Let me get my old trusty calculator out. Nine plus six plus nine plus eight plus eight. Very good. Forty out of fifty is the, my right. score for Justice League. Is that League in that Odyssey. average range still, or is that a little above? That's a little. That's above. a little above. above. That's like the final stretch right there. So. Okay. Very good. All right, guys. That concludes our our reading um, of our six our regular six books. Um, I did want to plug that this Saturday. I know uh, we record on Thursday, but the the episode is out every Monday. But Chris Gallo will be starting a this week in DC Television. Yep video uh, series every Saturday from here on out, which I'm excited That's for. Cool. And DC fans, I think you should check it out. Um, this past week, I, I did a a fantasy mix match tournament, which uh, was pretty well. At the time of this recording, we're going on to our finals match, uh, but it, it's fun. It, it's fun. I try to make different things and, and spark discussion. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to try and do that bi-weekly. Uh, so make sure you guys I are following the page. I love the voting on those. Some people get all uh, hot and heavy about oh, their who the oh, this guy came that guy. What are you talking about? Oh, it's such a great conversational piece as those polls. Oh yeah. But, I yeah I I've always loved tournaments I think it works so well with comics and even just doing fantasy matchups regularly is uh it's it's good it people like people like violence yeah and oh, fighting yeah. it and they like to throw their own theories out there and yeah you, you actually I actually learn a lot yeah doing these uh once it starts sparks debate um I do every yes. Tuesday uh, the first one dropped this week. The weekly release rundown. So it's everything that's going to come out that following Wednesday. Give a little bit about all those books. Um, I'm going to be adding a little more to that. I'm going to probably be talking about some news as well as maybe doing some uh, Today in Comic Books from the past. So uh, definitely watch out for that if you want to know what's coming out. Yeah, find us on Facebook. And um, I wanted to thank Rob for joining us today. I'm so Heck happy yeah. that this all worked out. Dude, you Thanks for having were me, guys. absolutely amazing today. You did... You got you got the system down right away, 
and you pick great books yeah. and I love it. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we close the show? Um, I'd love to. Uh, thanks for having me guys. I like, honestly, this was my pleasure. Um, anytime you want to have me again, I, I, I'd, I'd love to come back and discuss it. Um, yeah, I just say, uh, you know, keep a lookout. Uh, I'm, I might be having a, some podcast of my own starting soon. Uh, more information coming down the line. It might, uh, might be some transferable, uh, fans for, you know, uh, shared listeners maybe. So, uh, but I won't be revealing that quite yet, but maybe down the road, you can have me on to. Cool. Very good. I'm all about Very it. Good. Yeah. I'm excited. I, you know, I hope everything goes well. And, and when this podcast, he's actually going to meet, uh, I'm going to introduce him to Chris Chavez, our guy this Saturday, yeah. and hopefully they can work out something, uh, where he can join our family pretty much. And I can see him at, uh, to the family. I can see him. He's, yeah, you're pretty much. I mean, we're your family no matter what. Uh, but as far as the podcasting family goes, I really want to bring you into it because you, you have a passion for it. Uh, you know, you went to school for TV production, I think it was. Well, media, yeah, media, media communications. So. Yes. Heck yeah, we have the same – we have that in common. That's why me and Rob started talking. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ideal for it. I love your ideas, and uh, as they unravel, we, you know, I make sure you pay attention everybody. Uh, so there'll be more info soon. We can't say it yet, but there will be info. No, soon. I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, excuse me, episode of the panel discussion on behalf of Rob, Greg, and myself. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week after the panel discussion. Bye.